Hey folks, welcome back to the Seriously Wrong Podcast. Today we've got a very special, never-before-seen collection of the before-seen. Somewhere in the multiverse, there's a place called Wrongtopia. In a few of our older episodes, we've visited Wrongtopia in an audio way. And we decided, like, hey, all these parts fit together. Maybe we should edit them together, hear them one after the other. What would that be like? And it's actually pretty neat. So if you've listened to, like, all of our episodes, you will have heard all of these sketches before. But even though it's technically a repetition in that sense, they've never been together like this. And in that sense, it's novel. The presentation is novel. And this intro is novel. We're going to do a Patreon ask at the end. That will be novel as well. Very special. Never before heard Patreon ask. People are always like, what are they going to do next for their Patreon asks? Well, we never get tired of <laughs> finding new and great ways to... <laughs> um, setting it up. Now we have to do some great <laughs> Patreon ask. <laughs> No, I don't want to. It's going to be boring. I don't want to spoil anything, but the Patreon ask at the end of this episode is worth sticking around for. So this is Wrongtopia History Volume 1. It is a compendium of pieces of historical trivia in the universe of Wrongtopia that help us to better understand that world and the strange people who live there. You want to put in the, uh, um, what's it called? Uh, it's like there's two spools. In a yeah, like a threaded plastic, spool, yeah. Yeah, rectangular. Case. Yeah, with little spokes to turn, and there's tape that goes from one spool to the other. Huh. Yeah, it's like a little piece of, it's a tiny little piece of like... It's like a cartridge. Tape. Yeah, it's a, it's a tape cartridge that's red. Yeah. Do you want to pop in the cartridge yeah. with the spooled tape inside? One spooled tape cartridge popped. Uh, without further ado. Yeah, I guess there's nothing left to do but press play. Bronctopia History, Volume 1. We now go to the planet of Wrongtopia, a global, single society without militarized borders. Even from its very inception, it's never had borders. Today, we're going to be joining the Horseback Nomads as they make the long journey from District 2, City 4, to District 8, City 12. One thing I learned out here being a horseback nomad all these many months, many moons, many years, many children. Yeah, you have had a lot of children. What I've learned is that it, it pays to be easygoing. It pays to be welcoming. It pays to bring people in. You know, we horseback nomads, I like to think that we're a bit more ethical than some of the other nomads. I think what drives us to the horseback, the slow and plodding animal husbandry-based transportation for us is our taste for um, authenticity. Oh, sorry, I'm going to have to steer my horsey away from your horsey and towards my younger son's horsey. I see he's waving me over. He looks maybe a little... Uh, oh, yeah, tend to your youngest son. That's he, uh, super important. Hey, Dad. Hey there, bucko. I saw you waving me over. What can I do you for? Well, you know, Dad, I was just plodding along on the horse here, as we do. As we do. I was having a think, and I had a thought. Hey, well, I'm all ears. I'm a proud nomad dad. Well, you know, proud nomads, we pride ourselves on many things, but one of the things we pride ourselves on is inventing. And uh, I had an idea for an invention. You know how on maps we have the lines between districts, but those lines on the maps, they're just kind of... Yeah, they, lines, they represent the, an analytical, taxonomical... I was thinking there could be little stations on the road, wherever the line is on the map, and then you can't cross it unless you meet certain criteria. Huh. They would put all of our possessions through a scanner. We would walk through, like, big body scanning machines. You also, you get to wait in line. Okay, and I guess what's the point of this well, series of fences and checkpoints? District 5 jobs will stay for District 5 well, people. You're saying that people would only use gig-based smartphone apps in one district at a time? Yeah, unless they got the permission to cross the borders. Who would they get permission to cross the border from? We could set up, you know, a regime. Like, there'd have to be consequence. People who cross when they're not allowed go to jail or chase them down and, like, force them back out into the place they were supposed to be. Okay, well, you know, I got a hundred more questions, son, but I think... It just th seems really cool to me to lock everything down like that, you know? I gotta have to put my foot down here, and I gotta get my horse to put its four hooves down here. Well, they this. always do, Dad. And I gotta say, that's a bad idea, and I'm ashamed of you. I think all of us horseback nomads will hate this idea. Now, we spend time up in District 8, District 10, 
but you know that our winter resting place is City 6, District 2. If you put a bunch of borders, you're going to completely disrupt the cowboy nomad way of life. And I've always had this weird feeling that you didn't belong. Did you ever have that feeling? No. Oh, I always imagined, I always had this sort of headcanon that you were feeling like you didn't belong. I mean, I knew I was different, but I thought it was in a belonging kind of way, like, you know, oh. lovable eccentric. No, that's good. Yeah, that's... I'll tell everyone. You know what, Dad? Don't bother. And I have to say, this idea sounds like an idea that would cause people to be stationary. It sounds like the kind of idea that a stationary would be promoting or talking about. Oh, you're right. The stationaries would really like this idea, wouldn't they? Yes. Please do not share it with them. Otherwise, you're disowned. Well, you know what? I'm disowning you first. You can't disown me. I disown you. Too late. I already disowned you first. Okay, bye. Bye. Hey. Oh, hey, so your youngest-born son, did he forget something? Yeah, no, I've only got 14 children now. What happened? He saw him going stationary. I got sort of freaked oh, out, overreacted, disowned him. Creepy, going stationary. Yeah, weird stuff. Well, he was always a bit, Oh, yeah, you know. it's so weird. He told me, actually, before he left, he always felt as if he did belong. He did belong? Yeah, that's really. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess, yeah, that's part of the weirdness of why he didn't belong. Like, exactly. Do yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. It's like yeah. the same thing that causes him to not belong prevents him from being able to understand that he'll never belong. Well, I, I hate to say this about anyone because it's the greatest insult I can think of, but maybe he'll do better with the stationaries. Maybe he belongs with them. You know what? Yeah. This isn't a sad story about some weird kid that didn't belong. This is a happy story of a weird kid who did belong far away from us. I still can't believe anyone would choose that. Yeah, some people... Um, creepy weirdos. Creepy, no no yeah. offense here. To you. Oh, no, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. He always was a creepy weirdo. Yeah, definitely. Will that creepy weirdo finish inventing borders? Will the self-important stationaries like his foolish idea? And will the horseback nomads ever get to District 12, City 6, to see the worldwide dance competition? To pay their respects at the statue of Rongtopia founder Edgar P. Rong. Listen in to the whole episode of the later second part to find out. We now return to Rongtopia World News Network. The former nomad boy genius who was elected to World Congress just this year introduced a revolutionary piece of legislation, the world's first border. Today we are talking to the newly appointed Minister of Immigration and Border Control about today's star-studded opening of Rongtopia's first border. Welcome to the show, Minister. Thank you for having me on, and thank you especially to Boy Genius. Your wandering nomad mind stumbled upon something gold. I come from a long line of stationaries. Yeah, me too. I guess it's true what they say. Not all nomads are bad. So I got my identification today, the piece of paper with my picture on it that I'm oh, going to have yeah. to show at the border. The identification for the border. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, I love how I wasn't allowed to smile in the picture, so I just look kind of awkwardly frowning, looking forward. That was a real thrill for me, mm -hmm. and I can't wait to show it to someone who has the ability to deny or allow me passage. Do you know what the cool thing about that non-smiling face is? It's actually mm -hmm. used for um, automatic computer face recognition. Oh, uh, So you're actually oh, stored in a database forever. You know, Well, that makes me feel immortal that is wonderful you know who's not immortal is people who try to break border laws and i'm here to wag my finger at that be careful everyone we've made it very dangerous and that's meant to dissuade you fascinating wonderful you know i just can't believe that nobody thought of this before it's such an obviously yeah. good idea it's such an obviously beautiful change into society. And once this border is successful, I hope that we make tons of borders, lock the whole planet down with borders everywhere. Well, that's, that's the dream. As the hour is counting down, the first border will open in about 60 minutes. We're going to go live to the lineup. People are already lining up. They're very excited to cross the border. Hi, and thank you. I'm here in the field talking to people up close and personal, waiting in line for the opening of the first border. Hey, excuse me, miss. What brings you to the border opening? I couldn't be more excited. I have this belt here ready to take it off if they ask it of me. I have this purse. My husband never cares about what's in my purse. And these people at the border are going to look all through it. I think that's just wonderful. Thank you for your time. Sir, what excites you most about the first border opening? Well, you know, I always liked lines ever since I was a little kid. Seeing people all in a row 
one after the other. It's very orderly. That's why I love lines. And that's why I love the idea of this border. I don't even have anything I need to do on the other side. I'm just going to go through and then get in the lineup on the other side to come back. I'd say I dreamed of this moment all my life, but I wasn't I wasn't a genius enough to dream of this moment because I didn't know it was possible. And I just want to thank Boy Genius for his mind, his vision, and for making this old man proud. And I've got to say, that is the consensus from everyone. Everyone I talk to is saying they're excited to apply to walk through the border. There's a big group here even that seem to be more cheering for the idea of lines, lines themselves. Uh, back to you. The hour is counting down, and I'm so excited. I have butterflies in my stomach. Just thinking about this border is about to go live. The Ministry of Immigration and Border Control does have a solemn warning. Why don't I just let you deliver that now? Thank you. This is uh, no laughing matter. We've intercepted private domestic communications, which have shown that some citizens of Rongtopia intend to ride their dinghy around the seasided border at the sea in a dinghy to evade the regime that's been set up. And I want to give the solemn warning to everyone that your dinghy better go 500 meters out because that's how far the border mounted Tommy guns can reach. So you better hope that your dinghy can reach at least 500 meters. That's my solemn warning. The moment is here. We go live to Rongtopia's first border where Boy Genius himself, dressed up in a little outfit as one of the immigration guards, is there to inspect the first supplicant at the border. Thank you, everyone. It's me, Boy Genius, on my big day. Moment of truth. The lineup is here, and because it was my idea, I get to evaluate whether or not the first person in line is allowed entry. So bring bring him over. Hi, son. It's me. Dad. It's your dad. Dad, I, uh, I thought you said that I didn't belong. Well, sometimes fathers make mistakes, and just seeing how you've accomplish this goal, seeing how you've changed the world for the better. I'm more proud of you now than any of your 14 other siblings. You're now my favorite child. Thank you, Dad. This is the best day of my life. Can I see your uh, papers and identification? Papers? Which papers? Uh, what? Dad, you didn't apply for a identification document with the Identification Bureau with the regime? No, I must have missed that part, and I didn't realize that was... <laughs> missed that part? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, you can let me through, though, right? No. The first border crossing is an illegal, nepotistic border crossing because the boy genius who had the great idea to open the border in the first place had a soft spot for someone? That goes against the violent bureaucracy of borders. Well, come on, son. You know, we need this. We don't have a dinghy that goes 500 meters. We've got to join up with the rest of the horseback nomads. They're already on the other side. This was just a formality. I'm sorry, Dad. How long does it take to get one of these papers? Can I? Can you give it to me now? You know, it takes 14 months. 14 months? This was all up on the website from the announcement of the border, right? But do you not I read? On the we- no, I didn't uh, read. I was too busy get- being proud of you. It's so weird. You became proud of me at the precise moment. I learned to not be proud of you. No, son, don't say that. I'm a boy genius. Get out of my face. I've got the world's first border to administer. And so, Wrongtopia's first border was a rousing success. If anyone tried to cross without permission, they were hunted down and deported back to the proper side of the border, possibly detained in prison-like environments. And one minor down note to a positive, beautiful story of hope and change was that the boy genius's father, while waiting the 14 months for his documents to arrive, the stress and isolation of being separated from the other horseback nomads from the life that he had known for the entire time he'd existed on the earth was too much strain. And the heartbreak of being rejected by his son just at the moment which he'd come to accept him, all of it, it was just too much for him. And he collapsed one day, never to awaken again. The end. That's what happened to the dad of the boy genius. And that wraps up my bedtime story for you, dad. So have a good night. The dad died? Just at the moment that he was became proud of the son? That's like, 
You don't tell that to a dad just before he's going to bed. It's, you're going to give your old man nightmares. Sorry, Dad. It's just a scary story for dads. It's from the collection Scary Stories for Dads, which I got at the book fair. Okay. Wow. Well, I read that one. I guess if you wanted to give your old man nightmares, mission accomplished. Yeah, I think there's also sort of a lesson for dads in there about being proud of one's son. That you shouldn't be proud of them in the end because then they'll turn on you and you'll die no no you should be proud of them all along or else the cold unfeeling hand of bureaucracy will crush you oh and it won't be his fault but it's, oh that it makes still sense happen. that yeah. does make sense okay yeah it's a bit better okay so well yeah thank you for telling me the story could you tuck me in oh yeah just here around the edge here you go dad that's a comfy dad Oh, a little kiss on the forehead. I'm so lucky to have you as my son. Oh, so, and because you had your bath tonight, I'm going to let you sleep an extra 15 minutes before I wake you up, okay? Yeah, that sounds great. Okay, I'll come and wake you up. And that's because you took the bath tonight. Remember that. Oh, thanks, son. I love you. <laughs> I love you too, Dad. No, what? Here, just one more for the forehead. <laughs> Don't have too many nightmares. Today's episode of Seriously Wrong is brought to you by All That Was, All That Is Now, and All That Ever Will Be. Here at the Was, Is, and Ever Will Be Transdimensional Library of Everything, we strive to ensure that everything is properly and diligently recorded, so we have a complete collection of all that was, is, and ever will be. Mr. Was, Is, and Ever Will Be, the results from the history expedition aren't looking good. Uh, history is being generated faster than we can capture You don't it. talk to Mr. What Is, Was, and Ever Will Be like that. Our mission is that nothing is so lost. We're going to have ever. to upgrade the servers in the What Will Be and the What Is sections imminently. They just can't can't hold the amount of data that's coming in we from the sensors. We have to collect it all. Sir, we have a total server failure on Galaxy 32A, Universe B, Timeline. So fix it. I'm trying, Look, sir. time is not moving any slower. History keeps being creative. The only universal constant is change. Nothing lasts, but we make sure that that nothing is lost. Understand me. I understand, yes. <laughs> Sorry, sir. All that was, is, and ever will be. Proud sponsor of Seriously Wrong. Hey, I think there's a new episode of Wrongtopia History that's about to start. Awesome. I love the history of that place. Here, let's just point the satellite dish. Turn on the control panel. Here's your remote. I think this is the right remote. I've got like three or four remotes around here. No, this is the Yeah, right. no, it's that squarish one. Just make, make sure to hit the satellite disk button. There we go. And here it is. Let's give it a watch. Today's episode, the history of Wrongtopia's library system. Oh, I love this topic. Wrongtopia's library system, rich in storied history. Can I interest you in some wine, good sir? Please. I heard a glass a day or two is actually good for you. <laughs> We'd like to think that, but alcohol causes cancer at a similar rate to cigarettes. I heard, anyways. Mmm. Oh, that is delightful. A sparkling white. It's the white wine for me. I just like the sparkling. If it's white, I mean, that's what most sparkling wines are. But if someone made a red sparkling wine, I'd drink that too. Recently, I had too much red wine. I'll spare you the gory details, but let's just say it's going to be a little while before I can return to the reds, although there's a special place in my heart for them. So... Wrongtopia's library system. So now Wrongtopia is a borderless planet. It's a world that is populated by 12 billion people. Five primary groups of nomads. Oh yeah, there's five groups of nomads. There's also the stationary class that are not always, but often wealthier than the nomads. And they often run the infrastructure of different physical locations. The nomads mostly are employed in these locations through job-finding apps. One of the major groups of nomads most relevant to libraries is actually the techno-nomads. You're real engineering types, people who know a lot about computers and technology, and they're on the road about it. You know, you'll have your computer scientists, your robot repair people. You're obviously going to have musicians and artists commonly in this group, although they have some basic tech skills also. The techno-nomads are a diverse group. They tend to have tattoos at a higher rate than the other nomad groups. And many of them are ephemeralists. They believe that things shouldn't last forever. Now again, not all techno-nomads are like this, but many of them are. They think there's a certain value to things disappearing and going away, and so they have a ideological opposition to the massive library system that the world of Wrongtopia has implemented and matured over time. Within the Wrongtopia ethical code, it's sort of considered that you would have 
to grow the library and have the library never shrink. So the ephemeral school of thought born out of the techno nomads, they posed this challenge to it and said, perhaps libraries shouldn't be retained indefinitely because history needs to be engaged with in order to maintain contemporary use. If you, for example, forget what words used to mean and you read them in new context, the knowledge is decaying there. So they would argue, no, this isn't about getting rid of old information. This is about making sure that information is engaged with enough that it retains its relevancy. The stale collection of information has the cold stench of death on it. The re-engagement and churning of old information is what's vibrant and lifeful. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a very small subsection that actively wants to destroy as much information as possible. Most of the ephemeralists see them as kind of not really part of the organization, though most others do group them in within them. But they kind of see it as like you're prisoners of the past and the more information you have the more you're locked down by that in some way they want to be totally spontaneous born of nothing it's a kind of a fanciful notion that they want to reinvent everything in every moment there is a small group of anti-library extremists and their ideology is nothing short than a total churn as you're saying while we engage critically with ephemeralism and what it means or the library science of Wrongtopia, we really have to put a firm line there and say like, no, we're not gonna give into these these radical anti-library extremist demands. Yeah, burn all the libraries every two years, a two year churn cycle. Imprison librarians, train them into other things. It's just extreme. And actually, interestingly, there's been a tension between these regional groups, these wealthier stationaries that have run public campaigns advocating for the usufruct libraries at the center of the city-states to be distributed to the local people there rather than have these nomads coming through using all of our speedboats, increasing the wait list, all this stuff like that. Our city-state needs our library for us, not for everyone coming through the town. And some of these anti-library extremists at one point even teamed up with these stationary redistributivists on a campaign because they're so fundamentally against the idea of a library. And they attribute all this stuff to, and there's some validity to it, and it's, it's, you know, to pick apart the truth and false here, but they identify library socialism and the the usufruct city-state system as the source of inequality and climate change. And I don't think that we can completely brush that off. I mean, these library systems are some of the largest users of resources in Rongtopia, and it's a finite planet. The people of Rongtopia haven't been stewarding responsibly. So there's an argument there, but the tactics they take are so extreme, and they don't seem to make the problem any better. Yeah, no, I think the less extreme view on that issue, which I believe is more credible, is that yes, libraries as they currently exist on Rongtopia, the sort of usufruct libraries of things are currently being operated in an unsustainable way, but that doesn't mean that they could never be operated in a sustainable way and that it's a failure of imagination to say that because they're currently causing climate change, we must destroy them or completely get rid of the system rather than altering the system to say only produce as many speedboats as is sustainable. And I've got a bit of a cultural retention bias, I'll grant you that, but shouldn't we retain the libraries? in the transition to a much better society where we tackle these pressing issues of climate change and inequality that exist even in our idyllic utopia, wrongtopia? I think so. But these extremists, they say they want total freedom from the past. Not even to engage the past, but to just completely abolish it. It's disturbing. Maybe we'll just take a quick moment to thank the Wrongtopia Central Library. Of course, that's where we're broadcasting this from. They've provided all the resources for us to learn about this history and present it to you and broadcast it. Uh, They also got me interested in broadcasting in the first place when I kind of came here and saw others doing it. Like, oh, that looks cool. I want to try it. That all happened here at this library for me. Yeah, like the library is such an incredible social space where people can sort of self-actualize, connect with history. And it's just anti-library extremists. You know, I hate to say it, but I'm just not sure their ideas should be retained. Now that's extreme. They should be retained, but always in the context of a mistake we want to avoid in the future. No, they're pushing us, man. I think we got to draw the line. If you act this way about ideas, like we're not going to retain your ideas. We're going to yeah, snap you Yeah, but that's just out. giving in to them. Then you're becoming what you hate in order to fight what you hate. <laughs> do, you, oh, yeah. do you smell something that. burning? 
I do smell something burning. Oh, oh. God. Oh, that's a fire alarm. Okay. Uh, <coughs> that's a lot of smoke. Is this a uh, library burning down? They, uh, no. They set fire to it, man. No, they but couldn't. I warned you. I was just saying. But there's so many precious irreplaceable texts in <coughs> we this gotta building. Get out. I want to grab a, one of these priceless texts. No, no. You're priceless, too. You know, save yourself. Oh, thanks. You're priceless. Doing this show been an honor, friend. I... Feed connection lost. Sorry for the inconvenience. The feed should return soon. Feed connection lost. Sorry for the inconvenience. The feed should return soon. I guess that's the episode. It was cut short. I mean, I guess it makes sense why. That was, the library is well, burning down. Yeah. That is a good episode of Wrongtopia history. Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> you're, like, come for, you're like, I want the history. And then it's like, boom, history is actually happening. Like, yeah. And, like, and I don't even want to knock the first part because just telling the, that was really great too. But then mm-hmm. also to see it come alive, it was yeah, like, to have it come alive like that. Wow. Yeah incredible i bet this episode of wrongtopia history is going to go down in wrongtopia history oh, like yeah. in the future they could even do it next week episode. next time on seriously wrong what became of wrongtopia's library socialism and the threat of the techno nomad anti-library extremists this just in wrongtopia news report the president of Wrongtopia has given in to the extremist, ephemeralist, techno-nomad demands in exchange for their agreeing to no longer continue their campaign of blowing up and burning down central libraries across Wrongtopia. They have instituted a legal 50-year churn where any literature or text or information that are not actively engaged with and republished in the span of 50 years will be destroyed. The implementation of the 50-year churn is just one of a multi-tier package of concessions that were given to the anti-library extremists. As part of the settlement, the president also appeared on television to say that libraries are bad and that they should all be taken down and said that the arc of history bends towards libraries ceasing to exist. Analysts are saying that this was a brilliant 3D chess move, taking the wind out of his opponent's sails by reinforcing their key messages, but taking ownership of them. We actually in the studio have an expert who is saying that this is perfect 3D chess and the 50-year churn in practice is not actually going to be a 50-year churn and the extremists have been played. Dr. Davis, can you expand on this? Well, first of all, I just want to reiterate how great of a strategy it always is to just kind of take on your opponent's goals and messaging and claim them as your own. It's like you totally win that way. But more than that, the people who are worrying about works older than 50 years actually being destroyed, I think can take heart in the fact that the massive archivist community on Wrongtopia is now organizing the most expansive collaborative effort to continuously engage with all texts that has ever been conceived of or attempted to be implemented. Now, as you know, there are billions approaching trillions of texts in the Wrongtopia digital expansive library. And to keep all of these texts from being churned every 50 years, they will need to be engaged with, republished with new introductions, new analysis at least once every 50 years. This is a massive undertaking. It's going to take the work of millions, if not billions, of scholars dedicating their life Let's not forget, after they've been engaged with and republished with new introductions and stuff, that technically counts in some senses as a new version of the text that then needs to be engaged with again. And it's cumulatively built like that. It's a massive and ever-expanding undertaking that I think the people of Wrongtopia are up to. And I think ultimately the implementation of this technical 50-year churn is going to introduce a vibrancy to Wrongtopia's intellectual life that honestly was lacking when books were allowed to just sit on a shelf and exist but not come alive. So there you have it. What seemed like a bitter concession to one's enemies was actually an extreme 40 chess move that defeats the enemies by fulfilling their goals. Oh, we've just gotten word that the president of Wrongtopia has given his political enemies a $10 million grant to pursue their political objectives. Another part of the puzzle falls into place. You don't have to worry about the anti-library extremists anymore. They've been pacified with a concession. That's the end of the news. 
<laughs> son, son, hey, what's, hey, what's going on, man? Yeah, Dad, some, some of the other kids at school told me that Mr. What Was Is and Ever Will Be isn't actually real. And there's no great library in the sky where everything has ever been and ever will be is retained. And that when something is lost, it's truly lost forever. Hey, it's hey. irretrievable. Buster, uh... Is that true? Look, you know, we, we don't need a big library in the sky with an all-knowing man named Mr. What Is, Was, and Never Will Be who can retrieve anything from all points in history in order to have a vibrant and, and positive library society that's worth being proud of. Uh, come on, chin up. Uh, but librarians, real librarians, have to make choices, Dad. They can't just keep everything accessible and useful today. They can only do that for some things. That's Mr. What Was, Is, and Never Will Be's job to keep everything. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey. Hey. No, I'm going. I'm going to my room. Buddy. I don't want to talk to you. <sighs> you don't need to retain everything. It's, yeah, it's hard to accept that for some people. Don't want anything to be lost. I I get that. Yeah, I mean, I totally get it. When I was a kid, I wanted everything to be retained too. Yeah, I mean, that's why we have the the story, Mister What Was Is and Never Will Be. That's why we tell that to kids. But at a certain point, you need to grow up and have a little bit more mature view of this idea of sort of a righteous and necessary churn. I agree. He had to learn it sometime, but it's always going to be a painful process, and that's just part of growing up. It's it's almost like just seeing that, like the loss of innocence there, the loss yeah. of that childish notion. It's almost like the same kind of loss that he was coming to grips with. Cause it's like, that's gone forever now. The realization that the world isn't all you thought as a kid is a type of loss that's final in that same way. Well, I mean, the things that we know and experience are at least retained as long as we are. It's, maybe the universe isn't all stored in one place, but it's certainly stored in a distributed sense across all of us, at least the parts that are most relevant to us. There's a lot of retention going on if you look for it. You know, he'll understand that someday. It's just hard for kids. Maybe we'll give him a few more minutes and we can go up and talk to him a little bit more. <sighs> kids. Freaking kids, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> I want everything to be retained. Well, maybe everything shouldn't be retained all the time. What about the righteous churn? Like, I don't want the righteous churn. Well, maybe you need it. I know. Welcome back to Wrongtopia History Time. Today's Wrongtopia History Lesson, The Falling of Wrongtropolis to the New Enclosure. After just a mere couple of decades of a very promising usufructian experiment, areas of Wrongtopia began to fall to reactionary forces. The local stationaries in the megacity of Wrongtropolis were able to cut off many of the nomadic travelers from the libraries and dispensaries of Wrongtropolis. What they did was make library access contingent on residency within one to two kilometers of the library. And of course, nomad groups, of which there are five on Wrongtopia, don't have a residence address. And so this effectively cut them off from the library systems and nowhere was the brunt of this felt harder than in Wrongtropolis. It's worth noting and it's kind of funny, the stationaries were so caught up in the cultural logic of Yusufructian utopia that they never dreamed of truly privatizing the boats, the books, and so on. They just thought of making a smaller access group to the libraries. The logic of libraries was so embedded by this point. They actually had a slogan, irreducible minimum for some, not for all. And it really caught on with a kind of tribalistic mentality that mm -hmm. certain stationaries had where they saw themselves as tied to the ground upon which they didn't move around from. Another famous slogan from around that time in a similar vein was, they can move, we can't. The sort of like deterministic belonging. Oh, yeah, as if stationaryism or nomadism weren't choices people made as groups, but rather castes that people were born into. And an underreported part of this whole dynamic actually was that the stationaries campaign would have never picked up if they hadn't hired some of the techno nomads who ran a mm. PR and communications firm. They managed the whole campaign to sort of take over City Hall and build the narrative to privatize and close people off from these 
libraries, the nomads. So ironically, nihilistic, anti-librarian nomads became one of the driving forces of the success of this stationary movement. It's a fascinating little snippet of history there. You had nomads with nowhere to sleep. You know, and where, where do they go? They just all sleep in the park, but then the police are harassing them. And, mm-hmm. and of course, empty hotels, empty sleep libraries, as they were sometimes called, available free to anyone who's a stationary, which makes no sense because they live there. And so you just start to see this systematic locking out of nomads from the necessities of life. So it became much more luxurious life for the stationaries. It really caused a lot of social strife. Yeah, I mean, you can just imagine the conflict of going to the local hay dispensary for your horse as a stationary, and you're just completely surrounded by horse nomads desperate for hay. Like, that's just a recipe for conflict. And there was conflict for a long time. And in the same way that the destruction was, in a sense, partially pushed forward by the techno-nomads who were themselves going to be excluded, it was stationaries who had a change of heart, who saw the, the problems and errors in society and used their relative position in society to amplify and give comfort and aid to revolutionary nomads secret nighttime access to the hotels. Yeah, there was whole sandwich smuggling operations where stationaries would smuggle sandwich ingredients, assemble the sandwiches, and hand them out to nomads. So while it was true that a lot of stationaries who benefited from their social position of this unjust enclosure were fully committed to the worldview that would justify it, there was a certain amount of stationaries who saw the ethical error of the judgment of Wrongtropolis and who used that advantage to help bring the system down on itself. It's just an interesting little piece of Wrongtopia history there. When all was said and done, Wrongtropolis had inaccessible libraries only for the few. And that's all the time we have for this week's episode. Yeah, we'll catch you next time on Wrongtopia History. If you want to hit up our Patreon, it's just six bucks a month for access to the whole archive and bonus episodes uh, as they come out. Welcome back to Wrongtopia History Time. Today's history lesson, the resistance of the aqua stationaries. During the process of the original sort of revolution leading to usufructi in society, there was this popular distaste with luxury that was really, really intense, like where people really, really looked down on having luxury items. It was almost ostentatious how much people rejected being ostentatious. Like, yeah, and, a yeah, lot of that gets really focused on the yacht as an example. Casting out the yachts together and saying, we reject these yachts. We're not even going to loan them out from our library. We're going to dispose of them. It was pretty popular. And wrong Adelphia, they shipped them all out on the back of commonly owned trucks and dumped all those luxury yachts in Old Wrong Bay. At first, people just kind of ignored them, but then someone didn't have a place to sleep one night. They said, hey, this yacht's kind of nice, and they'd just swim out over to the yacht, and they'd spend the night on the yacht, traveling aqua nomads, of course, one of the five groups of nomads who live on the seas in large boats. Some of them have a special bubble technology that creates an air bubble around them, and they jet around in the water just like that. Yeah, some aqua nomads just swim. They got special fins for it. They can breathe underwater. I mean, this is all sorts of weird sort of pieces of the aqua nomad world. Uh, But what ends up happening is about five years after they dumped these yachts that they basically had a full yacht city there. Now, they had planks going from yacht to yacht so people Mm -hmm. could walk across. There was like a city square which was one of the larger yachts. They even had a library and an old abandoned cruise ship. Yeah, it was kind of a beautiful little flourishing in an unexpected place. In the climate that led to the enclosure of the libraries, one of the really popular sentiments was the idea that these boat people were somehow less than human or less deserving, that they were dirty or lesser. And they actually even sent people from Wrongadelphia to the aqua nomads as a sort of a form of punishment. These were opinions that people had about all types of nomads, the dirty, different, worse than us. Those living on the yachts were still kind of thought of as aqua nomads, though they tended to think of themselves as aqua stationaries because they didn't move, the yachts didn't go anywhere. There was a kind of 
permanent structure and as and ad hoc as it was with the planks and stuff most people who lived there would live their whole lives there so to call them nomads really was a misnomer at this point and it was more of a political classification used to other them yeah it was a description of their class status not whether they move or not when the enclosure movement hit wrong adelphia that belief that these people were technically nomads led to them being excluded from the greater Rongadelphia library system. Now, they still had their library, of course, on the cruise ship at the center of their shantytown, and they made things work, but they were cut off from the larger network. And eventually, the stationary political system made the decision to incorporate the yachts that they lived on into the private wrong Adelphia library system so actually privatized the place that they'd lived for generations out from under their feet any just reading of this even if you're to say it's within the rights of the stationaries to withhold the access of the libraries to nomads there's no argument whatsoever that these aqua stationaries were nomads themselves they lived their whole lives there and this was on the books for a long time they managed to survive out there by working together simple solution to most problems. They always knew that the day when the stationaries might try to make good of the law that was on the books would come and so they along with a network of aqua nomads and horseback nomads who supplied them with various weapons from around the world and they created a stash of weapons. They brought in a second cruise ship to store weapons. You know they stored the weapons hoping and praying that they would never need to use them but unfortunately one day, troops from Rongadelphia came up to the shoreline. Yeah, trying to force them out to be aqua nomads, a life they've never known, with no boats, very few bubble technology, and almost nobody had gills, so it was just a disaster. But luckily, the aqua stationaries made clear that they intended to stay and they intended to defend themselves, and they shot at the soldiers from Rongadelphia with bullets and guns a lot and shot more bullets and more guns. They did also have bombs planted at strategic points around the city saying we will blow up some of your key library reserves one every hour until your people stand down. And luckily they only had to light off one of those bombs before the city Rongadelphia gave in. Yeah, there's this really funny old story from that day when the sea stationaries is they had water legs, right? They grew up on these boats. They could walk across mm -hmm. these planks effortlessly. Good stabilizer muscles. There was a couple waves of these soldiers coming on to their turf, right? But they didn't have their water legs. So there's this one kid, he must have been 18, 19, recruited fresh out of junior high. Yeah. And he's walking across the friggin' planks, right? And he's like, whoa, whoa, you know, going back and forth. And he gets mm. in the sights of one of the snipers and he's wobbling, he falls back and forth, and the stationary shoots him through his scope, square between the eyes, exploding his head, spreading blood and brain everywhere, and he dies. <laughs> Can he fault in the water? That must have been quite a sight, a real victory for the people on the boats to see that child die. Yeah, I guess that's the innate character of war. It's sort of weird, it's always told to me as a funny story, but now as I retell it, I see it as sort of a tragic and oddly gory story that's out of character. I think a lot of people lose some perspective and character when thinking about war and like seeing, again, the deaths of children, honestly, a lot of the time, 18-year-olds, kids, as something glorious. And it's a weird thing that happens. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, the resistance, I mean, like, they had super a right righteous. to defend themselves. And they totally obviously. won, like they shot more times. Yeah. And the casualties are pretty low overall. A good it's just strategy. Like one specific. Yeah. It was a real victory for kind of the downtrodden in society, yeah, getting the, to keep their yachts. Yeah, when the downtrodden got to band together and protect the people who are trying to take their yachts from them. Really warms the heart because stealing a yacht from someone who needs it despicable. Yeah, especially, I mean, it was their way of life. They don't know any other way. They have nowhere to go. Anyway, so they won, and that was good. A bittersweet ending, a bit gory, but they won, and uh, that was a bit of Wrongtopia history. Thanks for listening. Next time on Seriously Wrong, the history of Wrongtopia's future is finally settled. I can't believe it's come to this! Bullets! Duck! There's guns. a bomb! Ah. All those in favor, say aye. Aye. I can't believe it's, it's come, come to, to this. this. Voting on democratic resolutions to end this insanity. Mm.
And you, I'll sign here, and you can sign, sign there. there. Uh, wow, can't believe that it's come to this. Signing a treaty with the enemy. It's actually come to diplomatic relations. Yeah. Well, I have to say, I disagree. And yeah. I, I would mm -hmm. like to present well, the evidence that's in contrary to that. I can't believe it's come to this. Uh, little nitpicky, wonkish disputes about the laws to replace the old unjust laws in our society. It's come to this. And so it just kept coming. It came to all sorts of different places and methods of changing wrongtopian society from the fallen state it had fallen to after locking the nomads out from the resources of the library society and the class conflict that created, the caste system that created, eventually erupted into all sorts of social change to overturn that order once again back to an order where everyone's needs are taken care of. And that's the story of the Yusufructian counter-counter-revolution where the irreducible minimum was returned to the people of Wrongtopia. It wasn't a perfect society that they built during that period, but it was more perfect than anything that had come before it. The end. And so Wrongtopia history went on for five long, wonderful audio seasons and was cherished by children around the world. The end. And so that last bit of narration was eventually removed from all the places in which it was broadcast or addended to with this bit of narration because it did contain an error. Wrong Topia history actually ran for six seasons, not five. That's important bit of history to note the actual amount of seasons. And after that mistake was corrected, the misconception it caused was mostly eradicated from society, though a few people never did get the memo. It was relatively minor, and it was mostly okay. What? Chris, what are you doing in there? I'm narrating. What do you think? It's my job. God. It's dinner time. Okay. Well, I'll be down in a minute. Well, why don't you just I'm come finished. down for dinner? Everyone's at table set. I mean, people need to know what's going on. That's why narration exists. Do you have to narrate at dinner time? Like, they don't need it right away, do they? Yeah, of course they need it right away. The information needs to be free. Now, you know what? If I go back to it now, I'm already going to be all messed up. All I had to do was say the end. I had done the thing, but now I'm too upset to do that. So I'll come down to dinner. Yes, thank you. Kids are waiting. You knew what this would be like when you married a narrator, all right? You knew. I definitely knew that you had a passion for your job, but I didn't expect it to be so disruptive. Okay, well, I mean, I tried to impress upon you what this meant. How can I stay mad when I see my beautiful children at the dinner table? Look yes. at this spread. You've been narrating for God knows how long. I was yeah. making dinner for the whole fam. Well, thank you for making... This is beautiful. And all I ask is you show up at the time to set the table. Okay, well, narration sometimes is very time-sensitive, and it's important, okay? Yeah, I know, and sometimes you get in the zone, but hey, look, this can't be an every-night thing. Right, but, you know, you enjoy a timely narration. Yes, and I think you're great, and I want you to follow your dreams, but I just need this. Okay. okay. Some of the I'm best here. narration I've ever heard. You think I don't want you to succeed as a narrator? No, I just think sometimes you don't take into account what that actually means. All the listeners now waiting for me to eat dinner instead of getting their narrative completion. You are just impossible. You know that? I, let's just put a pin in this discussion and we'll have a nice dinner. And so we put a pin in it. But that didn't make the problem go away. The end. Oh. Oh, yeah. yeah. Bravo. Bravo. Great app. That was a really good one. Yeah. That was a quality app. Definitely. Top apps. Garion, did Grandfather ever tell you about the Great War when the Library Socialist Army overthrew the privatizing profiteers? who were sending Wrongtopia into a dark age. The year was 2119. The stationaries had taken over all of the libraries and kept out the nomads, but we banded together in cells. The first step was narrative work. We spread the word about the change that we wanted to make and the fight that we wanted to bring back. Then we used a mixed strategy of creating the institutions that we wanted to exist and using the resources of existing institutions to eventually overthrow the social order 
and bring about full, usufruct-based library society that pays everyone according to need, meeting their irreducible minimum. We use these different tactics in a complementary way and uh, overthrew it. Is that when they changed the slogan of the Wrongtopia to more with less? Yes, more with less. That's exactly the war. Yeah, that's the one. The more oh, with yeah. less. And that was also the start of the retention project to record every aspect of, or as the slogan goes, every, every moment, moment from, from every, every angle. angle. When we perfected library socialism, we also perfected total surveillance. Yeah, otherwise your library will have massive holes in it. Yeah, and what if you need that? Yeah. Let me get my notebook. I want to record just some handwritten notes on reflections of this conversation. Oh, yeah, I will too. Every moment from every angle, every you know. Angle. Grandpa told me story, and we said the motto. Because, I mean, if you're going through the logbook and one note is 2.30 and the next note is 2.45. Uh, yeah, what happened? The inspectors wouldn't probably go, huh? What happened then? Yeah, and then they'd place us under solitary surveillance, right? That's right, yeah. Placed under camera completely by yourself. Because then at least we'll know know what they're doing the first job of every citizen is to complete the record and I've done that my whole life, my whole long life. The amount of information in history that was never recorded is the greatest tragedy of all. And I can see that you've retained some of the great family features. You always said our family has the hearts of archivists. All right, the hearts of archivists. And I'll just make a note, it was touching. And then Grandpa made some notes. I made a note about his notes. Okay, I think we're up to date. Oh, I just had some private thoughts I should record. One second. Okay, I'm going to head to the washroom. Okay, uh, well, remember to turn on the camera in there when you go in. Oh, yeah, of course. What if we need it? Recording yourself go to the bathroom is the building blocks of library social. Grandpa, did you know we've almost reached 18 trillion records of humans using the washroom? Oh, that brings a tear to my eye. Okay, you record that tear and I'll be right back. Had a tear come to my eye as I imagined 17 trillion perfect records lined up in rows of clean millions. The collection complete. Its beauty immaculate. The library. The archive. Growing. Wrongtopia Divorce Court. I'm the judge. Plaintiff looking to divorce, why have you decided to waste my time today with this? There was an infidelity. When do you suggest this infidelity occurred? Multiple times, Your Honor, but for sure there was an instance on the night of October 3rd. Bailiff, can you push out the big screen TV, please? All my friends and family are in the seats behind me. You're the one who wants a divorce yeah, couldn't because someone of this just... provable instance Couldn't you infidelity? just watch it in private? Are you in the jury? Or... This is what we do now. Okay, family, if any of you want to leave, no. Nobody's, okay. There's nothing wrong with wanting to watch everyone. We found this seemingly righteous reason to do this unthinkable invasion of privacy. Get into it. You don't become a divorce court judge without a voyeuristic streak. Well, at least it's not me up on the screen. That's right, it's not. I mean, that was the problem for you. We'll bring in a special erotic stenographer because it's important that we capture not just the words on the video, but also the spirit and tone of human sexuality, which we celebrate in library socialism as part of the legal record. Which angle are we going to be watching the act from? You know what? It's up to you. Dealer's oh, choice. Oh my. We could see what she sees. I'm just spitballing. I don't know. Anything works. Every moment, every angle. Could we do an angle from miles up in the sky? We have that angle in that moment, but that's not going to get the evidence the court needs. If you're uh, uncomfortable with it, I propose something like a CCTV-style corner room. Okay, sure. Attention all judges in the break room. Uh, there will be a video showing in courtroom seven. No, you know what? Sorry, I'm changing my mind. Sorry to interrupt. Do an angle right behind the guy's ass. I want the screen to be full of ass. Attention all judges in the break room. Never mind. Accuser, do you mind standing up next to the big screen saying your full legal name? And so I said, no. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to stand up there and say my name. This whole procedure is humiliating, you know, doctor. When something traumatic happens in our lives, often we begin to question things. But you're not saying that you've got an issue with library socialism and our perfected society, are you? Well, I mean, do we have to archive everything? Sorry, I was just... What'd you say? I was archiving do we have to archive everything well yeah i mean what if we what if we need it yeah I mean, that's what everyone says what if we need it every moment from every angle is recorded we've got the biggest archive ever that's nothing to shake a stick at we're destroying forests that we need to keep the air clean 
to hold all these data storage units to store everything. But you know this. The record can't be incomplete. What if we need it later? We should at least go through it first. You can't go through all of it because while you're going through it, you have to make records of the fact that you're going through it and then go through those and make records that you're going through that it doesn't work. Well, there's one way to do things. There's one way to think about it. And that's why you're here. So this outburst, not very good. Kind of like your therapist abilities, honestly. Well, I know I was assigned to be a therapist. It wasn't my dream, but it's something that I have come to understand. It's for service of library socialism. I do my assigned role. And sure, but I wanted to be a therapist. Me. That was my dream as a child. And then they assigned me to be a race car driver. Well, that sounds all right. I guess. Oh, I mean, I drive the car well, but I always last in the race. I'm trying to be safe out there. That's cool. Yeah, and I'm doing therapy. My goal is always first and foremost, leave them the same. I don't want to be responsible for sending someone off the deep end. And I often will spend, I mean, a lot of time talking about myself. You seem interested in race car driving. Why don't we switch? I know, because that's not what we were assigned. I don't know what to say. You've got criminal thought. And my job as a therapist, first and foremost, is to call the police if this happens. So do you want to stay here while the police come to arrest you and put you under solitary surveillance? No, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to escape, actually. Go on the run. No, don't do that. Yeah, you know. Just, just stick around. Cops on their way. I'll just. Oh, did you already press a silent alarm or something? No, I still need to call them, but I'm going to. You know what? I will stay, but I really have to take a long bathroom break. So if okay, I'll just call the cops while you're in there. No, call them when I get back. Just I don't want them like knocking on the door while I'm in the bathroom rushing me. It'll just make me take longer. Uh, So you're saying you'll get to the police station faster overall? Yeah, if you wait till I'm back from the bathroom to call them. So you're just gonna go to the bathroom and I won't call the cops. Yeah. Well, you will, but once I get back. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. You know, I never planned on being a police officer. No, it wasn't my dream as a kid, but eh, worst jobs. But the system works. You gotta give it credit. Can't argue with that. A book to every reader. So what about this madman that's on the loose? A politically radicalized madman who's shouting political obscenity at the parliament. Oh my god, that's gonna distract them from voting yes. Yeah, I feel like we really perfected parliaments when we had one monolithic party that all representatives are members of and they all wear the same color shirt and all vote yes on every motion. Yeah, well, when you're in a perfect society forever, Obviously, everyone has the perfect ideas. If everyone has perfect ideas, every motion put forward will be perfect, every shirt will be the perfect color, and every vote will be a perfect yes. It's just how perfect societies work. I mean, if there's two parties, three parties, four parties, that sort of thing, it would have to mean there's four or five wrong parties. You have the truth party, so what else are you going to add? Either it's redundant, you just have a bunch of truth parties that all believe the same thing, no point, or, yeah, the lies party. So one is enough for us, thanks. Oh man, it's looking here like this madman said, forests are more important than data storage units. That seems like an unnecessary hierarchy between things. Oh, it's too bad with these guys, you know, they're such lunatics. People who have big public breakdowns over their political views on- Yeah, more and more of them Ticking clock of a society, yeah. Yeah, weird how perfection seems to stimulate outbursts. Mm -hmm. I think it's just the outbursts were already there. Mm. Not even perfection. Could, could keep, stop them. Could stop right, them, yeah. That's course. how fallen and sense. Yeah. But we'll still keep criminals just under solitary so, surveillance. So what else are you gonna do? Solitary to stop the spread, recorded everything to make sure the record's full. Absolutely, yeah. Criminals are basically like eggs in a carton, just producing hours and hours of video and audio for us. I learned this all at police school. My first love is soup. Mirepoix, have you tried it? It's incredible. It's, it's like better than the sum of its parts. Oh, there he is. Look. Oh my god, okay. Sir, freeze. Uh, so yeah, it's me, the judge, and I just want to hit my big hammer, as is custom. The defendant is clearly guilty, and he's sentenced to death. And so... Our hero, who saw through the madness and lies of the Library Society, was found guilty of four acts of data destruction and 540 acts of preemptive data destruction by not recording. In the judge's written declaration, he said the act of leaving the record unfinished is so heinous and so brutal that it deserves death. And so our hero is marched through crowds of screaming citizens, screaming for blood, screaming for vengeance. 
as was custom. He was marched up to the platform, and his head was gingerly placed underneath the guillotine. The executioner fastens his neck in the device and pulls the enormous blade, still glistening with the blood of the last thought criminal, up to the tippy top of the guillotine. Our hero is trapped by a malevolent and unjust society, which has the means to imminently destroy him for his political thought and action. Nothing can save him. To be continued. Next time on Seriously Wrong, Mr. What Is, Was, and Ever Will Be meets his nemesis. Mr. What Wasn't is not and never will be. What are you doing here? I'm here to destroy you. I thought you didn't exist. I thought you weren't. But you are. And I always will be. I must defeat you. Otherwise, what isn't and wouldn't be becomes what might be. Mr. What is, was, and ever will be, you fancy yourself a hero. But I think you're actually a villain. Your tedious mathematical logic making a projection of one specific way that it will be completely detached from the reality. It's never been wrong. The world is a fundamentally chaotic place, and the world of potential is larger and more varied than you could ever imagine. Not if I defeat you first. (laughs) 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 Mr. What is, what never will be. The impossible happens every day, and you can't hold it back. Take that! Bring your chaotic wildness to this universe. Your rigid insistence on upholding a calcified fate is going to fundamentally limit our potential. We need to overthrow what will be. Looks like I've got you right where I I didn't foresee that. It shouldn't be. I'm telling you, old man. Impossible things happen every day. Hop on my hog. And so, Mr. What Wasn't, Is Not, and Never Will Be defeated Mr. What Is, Was, and Ever Will Be, decalcifying the fate of humankind, shattering the world of potential into millions of millions of cascading potentialities, unpredictable, duplicating, splitting, merging, and being lost at a faster rate than anyone can imagine. The future is not written. Impossible things happen every day. I'm gonna get on my hog and, uh... We now go back to the planet of Wrongtopia, where the library socialist heretic, convicted of destroying records and failing to create records, has his head in the guillotine, which is sharp, sparkling, and ready to drop, separating his head from his body with no possible way out. Any last words? Yes. I... Oh my god, wild horses! They're stampeding. Oh my god, the stampede of wild horses knocked over the guillotine, turning it sideways and beheading the entire audience, but not beheading the person who was set to be executed. That's incredible! I don't know how to take a record of this event. My paper is turning to raspberry jam. Oh my god, raspberry jam is coming out of my fingernails and eyes. I can't see. Here, let me lick it out of the way. Mm. Oh, your tongue's made of spiders! And so, after a series of incoherent and extreme circumstances, the library socialist heretic got away, and he hid in the mountains. Running and hiding served him well. And he built up strength there, building his faction of library socialism, Aaron Moritz Thought, which looked to criticize the deviations that had swept the world. That thought criminal built a bona fide people's army with extreme intelligence services. When Wrongtopia broke out in a civil war, they were well positioned to do the diplomacy and fighting that it took to reconquer the world and liberate all. Library socialism, Aaron Moritz thought, was a better, kinder socialism that took care of all, did more with less, and made waste equal food. And it too soon became corrupted. Extremely corrupt. The end. I'll just pop out that cart. That was a great cartridge. I enjoyed listening to that cartridge. Yeah, as that tape unspooled, we went places, you know, like across the universe and back on that spooled tape cartridge. Some people say a picture's worth a thousand words. I say a word's worth a thousand words. Yeah, even the simplest word, like, uh. I can think of 1,000 words right now. Hardvark. Anvil. (laughs) Antelope. See, and I was thinking of things like... Anus. Uh, taco. A political group. You can put anything after uh. That's a really good technical point, but it also 
doesn't just have a technical validity, it also has an ethical thing to say about how we live our lives. Yeah, and speaking of ethical things about how to live our lives. What's more ethical than supporting independent leftist content? Uh, saving people's lives. Yeah, that's what I thought of right uh, away too, saving lives. <laughs> volunteering and helping people directly, mm -hmm. like making Disaster cute, relief. Being like a clown who goes to the cancer ward at hospitals to cheer up the kids. There's a lot of people who need help in the world. Well, one, well, one thing I'll say about donating to our show versus those other things may not be more ethical, but is easier. You just head over to patreon.com slash seriously wrong, type in your payment information and set it and forget. Like it's so easy to give us that money every month. And it is ethical, like supporting independent leftist media. It's not those other things, but it's not unethical. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I think there's no presumption that we should go around the world doling out our $6 a month in exact hyper ethical, hyper logistic, you know, if we did that, then we'd have to live very plain lives, eating only beans and rice. We'd have to really optimize every ethical strand that we could find about ourselves and optimize all of our... And that's just absurd. And so if you stand with us against that absurdity, a great way to get access to our whole <laughs> our archive is... Uh, well, it's the only way. To chip in six bucks a month, it helps us produce the show. We do it all ourselves, editing, stuff like that. We're starting to do stuff like videos, all sorts of cool stuff as well. So your contribution and help goes a long way in making that happen and it's greatly greatly appreciated so thanks to everyone who already does that you've allowed us to spend a lot of time figuring out how to make podcasts like this like we didn't come out of the womb knowing how to do this we weren't like i immediately know how to make a podcast it like took a long process that the audience has participated in and without that it wouldn't exist in a very literal sense yeah so. absolutely do you think that was as great as we hyped it up to be at the beginning or i'm feeling worried that we let people like it wasn't as spectacular patreon-esque as it could have been oh like, should there God. have been fireworks or so much of that presentation was visual it's not being recorded at all oh my god i just what's that behind me yeah i missed it too i think you're the only one who saw whatever was fantastic i don't know and about 15 20 feet behind you i'd paid like literally 1500 dancers but they've all left now so Wow. Oh, weird. Yeah. Well, that is fantastic. I got a great deal on 1,500 dancers, though. I know a guy. If anyone needs 1,500 dancers or needs help donating to the Patreon or has ideas about the show or feedback or anything like that, you can reach us at contact at seriouslywrong.com. We look forward to hearing from you, and we love you. Thanks for listening to this, and have a great span of time between now and the next release. I mean, you could just say, like, have a great good life or... Have it's a good creepy. life. Yeah, okay. Have a good moment. Have a good hour or two just now, but it's over. Now now you're on your own. And now you're on your own. Bye, everybody. Bye. You're on your own. <laughs> <laughs>